Well, I guess we'll finish this arc this month. Yep. Can I take a nap now? You can take a nap for four months once we're done with this episode. Hi, I'm Adam's sweet new emo scene look, Sid. And I'm the anime character snuck to a background of a comic panel, Ashley. And this is Rangers Plane, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. This month, we're finishing up the comic arc of Necessary Evil. Um, so where did we live up, leave off last time? Oh. Picking up from where we left off in the previous half of Necessary Evil, the team deals with the fallout of finding out who the Omega Rangers really are. Kia makes her moves. The Ranger Slayer returns. It's all pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> this week on Power Rangers. This week on Power Rangers Rangers Flame. <laughs> Sid has been doing vocal therapy, can't you tell? <laughs> And I'm just hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) As always, we want to give credits to the comics and and, um, because it is a group project and who created them. Writers are Ryan Parrott and Sina Grace. And then we have artists Daniel Di Naculo, Francisco Motorino, Simona Di Gianfelice, Mose Hildalgo, and Dan Mora. Colorists, we have... um, Walter Biamonte with, with assistance by Katia Ronali. Igor Monti with assistance by Sabrina Del Grosso. And Raul Angulo with assistance by Enrique Fernandez and Eleonora Bruni. And uh, letter, of course, Ed Dukeshire. Like, he's definitely the most reliable man in Power Rangers comics. <laughs> it's like, it's like, all sorts of people show up. Letter Ed Dukeshire. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely with the plot for this one, it's kind of like I said, we covered the first half last month. So at this point, we're dealing with the resolution of a lot of what's being presented. But also since we read the deluxe edition, which also included the last like little chunk of the MMPR comics before they split it up into Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers with. I forget which one follows the Omega Rangers, but basically there's one comic that's following the MMPR Rangers on Earth, and there's one that's following the Omega Rangers out in space. Mm -hmm. So before they do, I mean, they're already starting, you can kind of see in those two, um, those last few issues, they are already splitting off the storyline, but they hadn't split off the comic yet. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think in this one, we're definitely starting to see, we do see the story kind of resolved. Uh, but it's in a very, as you notice here, it's a very Power Rangers way it gets resolved. But it's uh, very satisfying and dramatic in in that, that regard. Yeah, it's one of those, it's like everything ends up fine in the end in a mm-hmm. very Power Rangers-like type way. 
Um, also, early Star Trek's kind of like that way too. But you know, it's it's you want a happy ending sometimes. But right. it was just way more satisfying in that storytelling because it felt more earned. Yeah. So you'd be like, well, everything's okay now because uh, this is children's television and we have to end this. We have to finish this up in 20 minutes. Yeah. Whereas like this was more of like, no, like Trini and Kimberly have to repair that bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, the Stone Canyon trio have to feel... Like, they actually belong and actually kind of show who they are as rangers. Tommy has to be a better leader. Like, they actually give these things a resolve. Mm-hmm. And, like, or rather, it's like, it feels like it's more earned, I think is what yeah. I was trying to say. Yeah. Because, like, this particular year of comics, because Necessary Evil did take place over a, a course of a year, it's, you know, it's obviously there's a lot of, like, big stuff, that big dramatic stuff that happens. But it's not the it's not the same way that kind of happened with Shattered Grid. Yeah. Like th- we are dealing with the consequences of Shattered Grid while trying to still. Well, we're telling the story of dealing with the consequences of Shattered Grid while trying to establish kind of what the future of the Power Rangers comics are going to be going forward. Because at this point, we're definitely dealing with the fact that like we do have this overarching. We'll, we'll keep the overarching narratives of what's happening in the TV mm-hmm. series, like obviously, you know, we touch on the peace conference that they, you know, they came up with to cover up the fact that you had three people who left the cast. And, you know, you're dealing with the fact that like Tommy was suddenly placed into a leadership role just because, well, Tommy ended up being the most po- uh, popular Power Ranger. So when they did season two, they just kind of put him in that position. So I think it's like they're, they're going to be keeping kind of those overarching like things that are going on the season. But we obviously at this point, we know that we're dealing with something completely different than what we've seen before. Yeah, kind of tie into that. Uh, there's definitely more adult storytelling with the themes I've noticed um, because they do realize this is going towards the older adult audience, not necessarily yeah. for the children. And so you're having these themes of like, what is exactly justice? I've noticed has been the overarching theme of the comics Mm -hmm. is like just the messiness of justice. Like what, what do you do when people are bad? Yeah. And even like, it kind of comes up briefly in sort of towards the end of the comic, uh, or at least the end of this particular arc in the deluxe edition where Adam gets paired up with Violet. Uh, for a group project in class. Yeah. And she talks about the fact that she doesn't really like trust the Power Rangers because she doesn't know who they report to. Yeah. So he's just like, huh, you're giving me a lot to think about. So I'm like, huh, I wonder where we're going to see that go uh, for the next year of comics. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely very interesting to kind of touch on that. And like, because on the show, it's like everyone loves the Power Rangers. They're superheroes. Whereas Violet's like, no, she's bringing up some good points here. Yeah, without having to do the whole, like, okay, I kind of admittedly hate this on social media sometimes where people, like, when they're talking about, you know, superhero stories, which in ostensibly, yes, Power Rangers is a superhero story about kind of the place of superheroes in, like, the world. Well, you know, know, it's okay, I'm just complaining about the fact I hate the Batman argument so fucking much. The Batman argument is so dumb. I'm like, the Joker exists. (laughs) Yeah, like... It's hard to apply leftist policies about billionaires when 
like we're dealing with fictional universes where yeah obviously you have like you know he tries like there are several villains within pa- oh not power rangers <laughs> within batman comics that he does try to help them get mental help but then like you're dealing with you like people like the joker or like scarecrow who's releasing his fear gas on the city every other week and and also i hate to say this but it's like yeah if you insert leftist politics into this there would be no dramatic tension yeah so i get where a lot of the argument is coming from yes but it's like sometimes i feel like these people forget that no we're trying to tell like an actual story here and we need to like talk about like the politics and what the story is trying to convey within the story and not try to argue well this is how it should be like this is what bruce needs to be doing with his money instead it's like we're well past what he needs to be doing with his money let's actually talk about what we need to talk about what's going on in frank miller's brain when we talk about the dark knight (laughs) returns okay Yeah, let's let's talk about that stuff, not necessarily like, well, Batman should do this. And it's like, yes, Batman should just give back his wealth. We get it. But yeah, we're dealing with a superhero story within a universe where even more grander superheroes exist. And mm-hmm. like you said, Scarecrow is releasing fear gas everywhere and everything. So it's like, yeah. it, this is a fictional world with, oh my God, I, I love that I always do this is that that quote from uh, J- Jay and Salt and Bob Strike Back, where um, Holden goes, fictional characters! <laughs> Am I getting through to you? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of that. I think, yeah, so I think for Power Rangers, we're going to bring it back on track to Power Rangers here. I do think it's interesting to broach that question because, like, you know, obviously, like, well, you know, you ca- take it from the context at least of Mighty Morphin, the authority here is Zordon, but, like, you know, they're not really answering to really any, like, government power or anything like that. They're essentially functioning independently, but, like, you know, what's Zordon's deal in this entire thing? Yeah, they're kind of showing that also, like, Zordon may answer to someone higher. Yeah, and, like, what intentions are fully there in terms of, like, what the Power Rangers are supposed to do? Like, obviously, yes, fight evil but like in this case we're obviously you know kind of deconstructing like what is justice what is evil like especially if we're gonna go all the way back to in space in the z wave yeah so i think you know like these are things that have been approached only briefly in power rangers in the past yeah like if you want to you know talk about like time force and the mutants or some of the but, stuff that was going on in Hyperforce. Or like the, that we were talking about in space, the one episode in In Space that had the one monster who just didn't want to be evil. He just wanted to play with flowers. Right. So like this is stuff that's been touched on in Power Rangers, but really briefly because, you know, a lot of the people who were involved in production didn't think kids could really handle this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's... About and the like, closest we got to kind of like what is that question, I think would have been Dr. K. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely that. And like, speaking of kind of like who the Power Rangers answer to or how they function as like a, a, a sense ostensibly like a army, police force, whatever you want to call them. 
Um, even though I think the only Rangers I would actually feel comfortable saying that are cops or SPD, especially Sky, especially Sky, A <laughs> camp, but especially Sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in any case, I do remember like brief. They touch on it briefly in the aftermath comic that they did like after the 2017 movie came out. Yeah, like they touch on it briefly in terms of like where the Rangers and that are basically like kind of tell like I think so it's either somebody in the military or somebody who's like ostensibly a cop just being like you know you come to us yeah which was very in line with that particular uh adaptation of Power Rangers mm-hmm. but yeah so no I think it's very interesting that you know we're approaching we're starting to approach that those subjects a little bit more but it's still very much got a Power Rangers flavor to it yeah it, like it I, hasn't quite yeah. sorry no, go ahead. I was saying it's like it doesn't feel like it's lost that Power Rangers flair mm-hmm. or it is Power Rangers, but it, it definitely is like trying to be a little bit more mature with that storytelling and a little bit more deeper. Yeah. So and I think it definitely makes kind of what we're reading here. Well, that def- like it just makes it a more satisfying read in the end, I think, versus like, you know, reading some of the older comics that were definitely more monster of the week and melted your brain out yeah don't read the don't read the uh, archive comics like all in one day guys like it'll make you cry yeah don't do what we did (laughs) no especially if you're trying to go through psychiatric medication that was a really (laughs) bad idea yeah well uh let's go on a little bit touching on the characters Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're kind of just touching on who got some main uh, main focus, um, just because, you know, it's the comics. These characters are going to weave in and out on who's the main focus. Yeah. So we're going to start with, of course, Jason um, and his big thing. His, he has two big things um, is mainly his uh, like leadership struggles, like his main one, because. And you kind of see this with Tommy as well is like he thinks he has to take on all this responsibility because he's a leader. Um, but unlike Tommy, who we'll get to on his delegates, delegating skills, Jason just kind of takes that burden of responsibility to where like, OK, well, I know how to delegate, but like you guys, I have to take care of you. <laughs> yeah, like you see it on a microcosm with because, um, OK. Because similar to like the last one where we talked about with the deluxe edition is that for these ones, they would alternate between the Go-Go issue and the Mighty Morphin issue. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing what we saw in the last half of Go-Go that we talked about months ago, where Jason is desperately trying to take care of his dad. Yeah. And I think you see that on such a like it's a microcosm of how he approaches being a Power Ranger. Because he's trying so hard to make sure that his dad is taken care of. And his dad is basically just being like, I'm an adult. You don't need to baby me. You know, it's like, I'm fine. You know, for the most of like, yes, I'm dealing with, you know, a disability right now. But but I'm fine. Like, you don't have to, you know, baby me like this. And you kind of still see that struggle, especially when you deal with like Safe Haven, too. It's like he's Mm -hmm. just taking all this responsibility. And it's like, I must take care of this. And just forgetting that, you know, he is a part of a team. <laughs> yeah. And part of that leadership struggle also is his constant, am I doing the right thing here? 
Yeah, because especially with the Omega Rangers and the fact that, like, things as of the last, like, part of the arc that we left off on have gone very sideways very quickly. Yeah. And, I mean, he's been wondering that the entire time, but, like, now it's definitely, like, he's sitting here wondering of, like, if he made the right choice. It's one of those things that's definitely interesting because, like, Jason has always been a follow the orders type. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he was following a lot of the Emissary's orders, and now he kind of realizes, like, oh, wait, maybe they weren't exactly good orders. Yeah, and at this point, they are kind of freewheeling it. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, oh, shit. And I really like that he's, like, struggling to realize, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like he just kind of becomes comfortable with his decisions, because that's what you kind of have to do, is, like, you may have not done the right thing. But, like, you can't go back and change it. Yeah. All you can do is change what you are, what what you do going forward. Yeah. And finally, he and Tommy are on the outs, but they should kiss. Yeah, there is just so much tension going on between Tommy and Jason in this part. Especially because, like, if we're reading the alternating issues with Gogo, it keeps coming back to the fact that, like, Tommy perceives Jason leaving the team as running when things get hard. Yeah. And obviously that's not what happened, but like he's still mad about the fact that like Jason and like the rest of his team lied to them. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. Like, but it's also funny. There's like basically this whole like scene where they like i think it was tommy was the one who was training in the pocket dimension yeah it's either tommy or jason i forget who but it's like both of them end up sparring in the pocket dimension and they are just they're clearly using sparring to have an argument about what just happened they're twining except using their fist yeah and it's also one of those things about like y'all just need to fucking kiss and make up (laughs) Yeah, like, oh my god, the tension that they have (laughs) in that scene. I'm just like, wow, okay, um, you should have just put these two together. Gay, gay, homosexual, gay. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's how I felt when I when I read like all this. I'm like, oh my god, they ramped you know a little bit what was in the show and just ramped it up to eleven. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay. So the funny thing was, is that Cena Grace wasn't even writing that issue. So no, I was, that's the even funnier thing. Okay, yeah, I double checked. It was Jason training in the um. Okay. In the uh, in the in there, and then Tommy shows up, just looking all pissed off. <laughs> yeah, and and again, you see like Jason's care also with Tommy in like an earlier thing when basically Tommy becomes the White Ranger and he's now easing into becoming leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have a thing where Tommy kind of goose up with a leadership role or a leadership call, rather. Yeah. And Zordon calls out Jason on it. It's like, wasn't that your idea? And Jason's like, uh, yeah. But I love I did actually find a page here and I love what Jason said about um after he's kind of finally punched out Tommy and Tommy's just like talking about you need to be dishonest with your opponent. Like, it's, and I was like, is that hard for you? Like, just see how you treat your friends. Oof. And t- Jason goes, who do you think 
I am, huh? You think this was my idea that I wanted all of this? Someone says to you, someone comes to you and says, hey, man, we need to save the universe. But small catch, you got to lie to everyone you care about to do it. Would you have done it, huh? I'm sorry you're pissed at me. I wanted to tell you when we came back, but I had to look you in the eye and not say a word. And if you think that was fun, then you don't know me at all. Yeah, fucking kiss. Yeah, just fucking kiss and make up already. God. God. That is going to be our thing, just reading this and like, when are Tommy and Jason going to kiss? Yeah. There's nothing stopping them. Well, maybe Hasbro. I don't know. <laughs> Hasbro's like, no, they should not kiss. But yeah, that's definitely. Tommy is heterosexual, needs to make babies. And I'm like, but there's Dino Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> How do you explain Dino Thunder? Checkmate, atheist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyway, we're talking about, we're already talking about Tommy, so I guess we'll just move on to talking about Tommy. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you go ahead. So in this uh, particular, like, we're definitely, like, seeing him as this, the arc has moved further on. He's definitely more firmly entrenched in the leadership role and i think he's getting more comfortable with it yeah he definitely is but he's also still struggling to realize that being a leader means that you also have to delegate sometimes yeah it's um it's one of those things that uh i i've been in a leadership position before and i failed utterly because you know you're told oh you need to delegate your tasks okay and then you, you just think you need to take it all on still mm-hmm. and you know it makes everything fail because you don't delegate everything so you know that's kind of what he had to learn and eventually that comes into kind of fruition when they uh are fighting dane and dane's of course whipping their ass again and he's trying to take it all by himself and aisha's like i got this you go you go deal with the stuff that jason's dealing with yeah you know and- you gotta trust us to to defeat dane yeah which is like ends up paying off for uh, like everybody like pays off those particular two arcs in the end yeah so i think we even talked about this when we were writing the episode about how this is just very similar like we saw a very similar plot point on lower decks this season yes and like even for this one it doesn't end with tommy fucking getting blown up (laughs) <laughs> Weimler did get better after that one he did he, he did get better <laughs> he just had to go to see the qual and the, and the black lodge first oh on the black mountain but I guess it's also the black lodge yeah I was just like why is it the black lodge <laughs> but in any case so yeah so Tommy I think that's a big part of it This like for this part of the arc is Becoming more comfortable in the leadership position, kind of having to also get over himself a little bit with what happened with Jason and the Omega Rangers. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and because now that they fully understand what happened and yeah, I think Jason was kind of right to like say that to him about like, you know, saying like, if somebody claimed to you and like told you, hey, the universe needs saving, but you need to lie to everybody that you know about it, would you do it? Yeah. And Tommy at that point just says nothing. <laughs> it was so beautiful, honestly. Yeah. I so, ended our yeah. Tommy notes very funny about, wow, Jason's sword combined with Tommy's like that, huh? Uh, yeah. 
It's like combining Zords. Is that what the kids call it these days? Yeah, combining Zords. But, you know, it was a metaphor for them kind of resolving as well. Yeah. That just made it sound gayer. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, we can't get around it. This arc is gay. This arc is so gay. It's not gayer than the it's not gayer than Beyond the Grid, which was gay on purpose, but like <laughs> still this pretty was, gay. This was still pretty gay. Uh speaking of pretty gay, unless we have anything else to say about Tommy. Nah. All right, let's go to, to Trini and facing her consequences. Yeah, so that's a big part about this second half of the arc is um is Trini having to face up to the consequences of, well, lying to her friends. Yeah. As as well as having to resolve a friendship that was broken and yeah. where, you you know, you can't even resolve what's there anymore. Yeah. Which is something that we don't really have seen, haven't really seen in Power Rangers that much because, like, so often, like... Whenever we see a character who goes, who is friends with the Rangers go villainous, they either eventually become good again Mm -hmm. and things are kind of hunky dory. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of tension like with, and I remember in Dino Thunder, but that was mostly Connor being a dick and not understanding like, hey, you know, your, you know, friend was possessed. (laughs) I mean, he was Connor. Yeah, that's fair. But. Also, we never really, at least not to my memory, we've never really explored in Power Rangers, like, what happens when a friendship just can't be fixed. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that just gets rarely explored in general. Mm -hmm. Because it is a painful thing. Yeah. When you can't fix a friendship. And that you kind of realize, like, no, you can't save people who don't want to be saved. Yeah, and just remembering that bit from BoJack Horseman about the, um, not to bring up BoJack, but, like, there's that bit that, like, Anna Spanakopita tells in, like, one episode, the story, that she tells it to BoJack, like, three times about becoming a lifeguard, and, like, she talks, telling the story about becoming a lifeguard after she had a near-drowning experience, and the fact that, like, the person who was training her told her that if somebody is thrashing and thrashing that you have to try to stop saving them because they don't want to be saved (laughs) yeah and i think that's a lot of kind of what was happening with kia is that like she's just been so overwhelmed by her power and then so frustrated with everything that happened with the emissary that she's kind of um i mean they do leave it open that she could be saved in the end but you know she does have to experience the punishment of going in the jar yeah but it's, you know, it's not one of those things that, like, you know, you can't purify this with the Z-Wave. You can't, you know, pull whatever dark power is, like, casting, like, its thrall over her. Like, no, like, she she needs to be handled and needs, like, needs to be punished. Yeah, it's one of those, she chose this. She yeah. actively chose this. This wasn't... Mm-hmm. Her turning like evil due to a spell, like you said, or anything. She actively chose this path. And so Trini, who had the deepest relationship with her, is the one that faces her in the end. And mm-hmm. like 
I love that Kia is just thinking Trini's going to be weak because, you know, Trini does care about her friends very deeply. Mm-hmm. And no, it's Trini ends up defeating Kia. And yeah, kind of realizes like, yeah, you sometimes people don't want to be saved. And that does hurt a friendship to the point you can't have that friendship anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially that. It's like, what makes this part of that uh, kind of heartbreaking in a way, or at least this part of the comic kind of heartbreaking in a way, is that with, as we said, the alternating um, chapters going between Go-Go and um, Mighty Morphin, is that 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 part of the book where it's leading up to kind of that last fight between Kia and Trini, um you're you're starting to see Kia like the intro, Kia's introduction of how they found her in um you know, on on that one planet where she was being like hunted as a witch. Yeah. And the fact that Trini is the first to approach her and you see the beginning of their friendship. Um but you're also kind of see like Kia's remo- like she's still angry and sad over what happened to her family. Yeah. So and so the way it kind of alternates with this and then lays into that final fight. And it's just like, it just makes it even more heartbreaking. Cause you're trying to, you see that you see the beginning and the end. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of rooting for it, but mm-hmm. sometimes happy endings aren't a thing. Yeah. Even in power Rangers. Um, yeah. Let's talk about a happy ending though, with mm-hmm. the resolving the issues with Kimberly. Yeah. Which yeah, by the end, like thankfully she her and Kimberly make up after their big fight. Yeah. And I think it's it's really helpful when they find like now that everybody knows that they're Omega Rangers that they can establish that like okay, we can keep in contact with each other. We can be more honest with each other. Yeah. Which, you know, I kind of liked that there was a whole thing of like honesty between friends and open communication. Mhm. And that was actually a very cool thing to explore. Like definitely, especially like this Power Rangers. Yeah, it's always about like the power of friendship and all of that. But like, you know, episodes about lying are always just so they're so heavy handed. <laughs> they're like, don't lie about this because it trapped Billy in an alternate dimension or some shit. Yeah. And, you know, we don't explore with the nuance of, you know, everything that happened here with the Omega Rangers. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you need to take this mission, but you got to lie to your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but we do see we do see a resolution between our main rangers and the and the Stone Canyon trio still gets to be part of the team. Yay! Yay! Uh, let's talk about the main Stone Canyon ranger that was throughout Necessary Evil. That's Aisha. Yep. As as we said, she is the leader of the himbos there. Yeah, Aisha and her two himbos. Yep. Uh, We kind of noted she stands up for herself more. And the interesting thing for me in this is when she steps up in that fight with Dane to essentially be second in command. Kind of going back to Trini, kind of proving that Trini chose right, even though she barely knew Aisha. Mm -hmm. She, She basically was like, yeah, we know how to deal with Dane. You know, we switch our weapons around we do other strategies do stuff that he does not predict and basically tells tommy yeah we got this yeah and i'm like oh that's interesting to have aisha 
take up that second in command because like Billy and Kimberly, though they've been there longer, it doesn't feel like they've they've been kind of that secondary person. Yeah. And I think it's like this this is the arc, this is the part of the arc where you can just see them like being able to firmly plant their feet in the ground and just being like, no, we are a part of this team. We yeah. can handle this. Yeah. And um, definitely love that, like, now that they have a new structure, it's like, yeah, having someone who's from that trio, it's like, that definitely bridges that gap that wasn't, that was pretty much there to begin with. Though I found it interesting at the end of the comic, like, the three, you know, original Rangers still kind of keep, like, they still kind of hang out with themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think definitely tracks for where they are in their life. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to our next character here, Zach. So he doesn't have a whole ton lot to do with it. Like he's still very much the people person that we see with, you know, that we've seen throughout all these arcs of like in the comics when we covered pink and the previous arcs of this particular or comic, as well as even like, I would say um, once and always. Yeah. Is that Zach is very much a people person. He's very much, um, you know, going out there, meeting people, which is why we see him become a politician. Yeah. And, like, standing up for his friends and taking care of his friends. Which leads to this really great moment with him and Adam, um, which is kind of their, which is their moment, similar to what Aisha and Trini had, where, like, kind of just they're talking about what they really can do in this situation. Yeah. And... Zach is like kind of just like you know what I do I make people laugh I'm not the best fighter I'm not the mm-hmm. smartest you know so I just make people laugh it's like we'll figure out what, what you need Adam you know <laughs> your fr- yeah he says your, your friends will let you know yeah uh, which is such a nice moment but also I think just kind of gets to the core of who Zach is is that like maybe he does underestimate himself a little bit but again he is ultimately somebody who is a very much a people person and cares about mm-hmm. the people around him which is why we see again that moment with adam but also we see those moments on safe haven where he's with the kids and they're playing like this one particular game yeah and like he's being really great with them like kind of just you know goofing around and all that but like when we get to the end of that part of the arc where that one child has basically seen that their home planet has been destroyed and everybody that they know is like besides their parents is dead. Yeah. Um, where Zach is willing to be the one who comforts that kid in that, like in that way. Yeah. Oh, that got me. Yeah. Cause it's like that, that's Zach. Like I think it's like, I think it's definitely like, getting to his character in a way that we never really got to see within you know the tv series because you know series was written in the 90s the tv series was written in the 90s and like it was kind of just the his character for a lot of it was just kind of it's the cool black kid yeah and i feel like a lot of the nuance that got introduced with zach was because walter was a seasoned actor Mm mm-hmm you know, and could actually bring something to that character. But yeah, it was the 90s. And 
you know, the writers are just like, yeah, kids aren't smart. We're not going to add nuance to any of these guys or anything that makes them, you know, characters. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's just nice to kind of see how Zach figures into this and yeah. why he, I think it also kind of explains why he's willing to be a part of the Omega Ranger team. Yeah. Um, and then we finally have Billy, um, uh, pick up a little bit with Billy right now. And we definitely are seeing more of his relationship with Grace Sterling. Um, it's definitely a very tense, um, mentor pupil situation, I think. Yeah. Cause like so much of Billy's arc in this particular story is not even involved with the Rangers. It is going back. Well, I mean, it still involves the Rangers, but he's not, it's not stuff with the team it's stuff with grace and promethea yeah and this is what i was talking about earlier about how i think we're going to see like these overarching narratives that match with the show but aren't aren't matching one-to-one with the show Mm -hmm. and i think they've been setting up for this for a while but they are especially laying on thick that we are probably going to see billy lose his powers in the comics at some point yeah, much like the in between um season three and Zio. Yeah. But in a different manner. So Yeah, so I think they're definitely laying it on thick, and I think that's part of why they're leaning into everything with Grace. Mm-hmm. Is this that we're trying I think we're trying we're seeing more of that push and pull with Billy because obviously Grace has been a presence there for Billy in the comics the entire time. Yeah, because like he interviewed with that internship at Promethea. He turned it down to stay a Power Ranger. Didn't really tell the rest of the team about it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think he told the rest of the team. Yeah. Um. So but she still keeps like saying that, you know, if you ever want to come to Promethea, like there's going to be a position here for you if you want it. Yeah. Like, so. I think when you're putting him in between, he's like stuck between these two worlds of wanting to keep with his duty of being a Power Ranger, Mm -hmm. but also the wider possibility of Promethea. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we talked about this a bit in the Dino Fury episode where about, is he making the active choice of, deferring college to stay a power ranger yeah and like and that that you know that being an active decision and sacrifice that she makes and not be you know we're not having this whole like oh well i never meant know, to deprive you of a whole normal life and you're like I shut was, the fuck up man I, I was trying not to say it but like yeah i mean when i'm always I, whenever we talk about stuff it's always on my mind um <laughs> Like I will beat up Zordon for that. Yeah, like I'll I'll cause the Z wave. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Andros. Yep. But just the point being there is that like we never really so yeah we've seen this before we've been starting to see this in Power Rangers a little bit more about talking about where characters are making the active choice of yeah they have they you know they do have these opportunities in their 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 real life. Yeah, but they're making the active choice to remain Power Rangers because of their own sense of moral duty and obligation. Mm-hmm. 
So, but to see this with Billy where, yes, he's already made the choice before that he's going to remain a Power Ranger, but we're starting to see that, like, whole of, like, he's stuck between this world of, like, of Promethea and being a ranger but also like kind of seeing some of the like he's i think he's opened up his eyes a little bit more to kind of the way grace does some things mm-hmm. um which maybe is a little dis like disillusions him a little bit so that i'm definitely curious to see where that arc continues for him yeah me too especially if it's like if it's gonna go the way i think it goes where he's gonna lose his powers then i want to see how Promethea remains on the table in that regard. Yeah. All right. Moving on to to our main support slash Rangers coming into this. Uh, Ranger Slayer. She's still hot. Yeah, she's still hot. She's still got the gay haircut. She's yeah, great. Lesbian vibe. Yeah. Goes on the fetch mission for the actual lesbians. Yes. Um. Because basically it was. I forget how they phrased it, but basically they needed some, like they basically what they I forget how exactly they said it, but they needed the powers of the Solarix and the Solar Rangers specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she that's like, oh, it's like, and Zai is just like, well, I don't know how we're going to stop that. And um, Ranger Slayer is like, oh my God, I know exactly how to stop that, but they're in another dimension. And Zai is like, oh, we need to go to another dimension. Well, let me take you to the master gate. <laughs> Yeah, like, come on. So it's like, oh, the the Morphin Masters have their own Stargate. That's cool. Um, <laughs> the Morphin Master Stargate. Yeah, and that's like the big arc of it is that like the so Kia has found the ma- like they found the Master Gate. Of yeah. Kia, Garrison, and Dana found it, and they're trying to stop Kia from using it to basically, you know, fuck shit manip- up more. Fucked it up more, yes. Um, but basically, she goes like she goes on the fetch quest of go find the lesbians across the across the you know the other dimensions. Now that they can get to the dark dimension, yeah. Or I think it wasn't called the dark dimension, but you know, um, now that they can go find them, yeah. Once she does that, and she gets the Solar Rangers there to save the day. And she decides that she's, she's going to go back to the realm of the coin, the world of the coinless. And she becomes their new ruler. Yeah, which is just, that was really interesting. Cause also, like she. Skull's alive? Yeah, okay. I think that was that this, there was kind of the zombie spirit army. And uh, then okay. whatever pure, I guess there was some purifying magic there that like Kimberly was able to manipulate and it brought the people who were. Some of the people who were dead back to life. And one of them was Skull. And one of them was Skull. It was very nice. Yes. But yeah, I mean, for her, it was that she's, her decision on that was, she had been working for Grace in our dimension. Oh, not our dimension, but our dimension of the comic. And she decides that she needs to stop running from her past and she needs to go back to the world of the coinless to face her face her decisions and try to I guess make up for it and yeah ends up becoming like kind of on the outs with Aisha for a bit but then like they gain her trust and then there's a whole thing where like Scorpina and I think Finster 5 are having this whole argument and they're just like you know it would be like 
advantageous to have her on the throne. And there's also zombie Rita. It's a it's it's wild. It's so much to describe. <laughs> it's so much to describe how they kind of tied that all together. So hey, but we'll touch back on it and drag on New Dawn sometime next year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's we've been talking about Grace Sterling. Let's uh talk about her. Uh she's gotten a little sneakier and let's be fair, uh Zordon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't blame her for the way she's kind of sneaking around Zordon because, like, you know, everything she dealt with in 1969 has been a lifelong trauma that has led to everything that's happened so far in her um, in her company and the decisions she's made. So I do not blame her for just being like, no, I don't have to tell him everything. Yeah, oh, fuck that guy. She She is more fuck that guy than you are. It's true. And she yeah. has more of a reason to be. Uh, speaking of Z-Way, maybe this version of the Z-Way, she's like, move over, Andros. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got a bone. I, I've got a 53-year bone to pick with you. <laughs> she's like, Andros is like, no, I can't kill Zordon. And she's like, no, move over. I'm killing this bitch. <laughs> you need to do what to rid the evil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Christ. Um, but so again, she is getting help, but like, uh, she doesn't say exactly from where, but you know, we, as we've already mentioned with, we still have connections to the beyond the grid that we're, uh, dealing yeah. with, which is, it's just nice to see. I, I'm glad that the, like the series is like not forgetting beyond the grid. Yeah. I really like that touch when, you know, Billy's going to her and it's like, yeah, we need like a ship. We need someone to kind of interfere, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'll get somebody. And then it's Ranger Slayer. And then you're like, oh, okay. It's like, uh, all right. I can see why she's still hanging around. Yeah. And then, so there's a whole bit. And I think this is part of what's going to be leading into like the next year of the books. Where they're able to repower the dragon coin. Yeah. And they're talking about who they want to give it to in order to, you know, basically in order to have a new Green Ranger. But even like Billy's like, uh, no, that's a bad idea. And oh yeah, I remember why Keo is so upset because she's like remembers Tommy being evil, so that's why she wanted to go. She wanted to use the Stargate. <laughs> she's like I'm gonna go kill the Tommies. Yeah, all the Tommies. But Even the sad divorced dad Tommy. <laughs> Are we just deciding that Dino Thunder was its own dimension? <laughs> I really am at that point. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't see. Cat or um, what's the name of their kid? JJ. Yeah, I don't see Cat or JJ there. I'm sorry. That is the dimension where he's just sad. He got divorced. He is gay. <laughs> he's new in town. <laughs> he's new. He comes in. It's like I'm gay. I'm new in town. <laughs> and like my boyfriend is a dinosaur. He's <laughs> like my boyfriend's a dinosaur. Also, we had a messy breakup. And now he's with my ex-boyfriend that we had like a whole trio thing with. Yeah, no, it's its own dimension. Fair enough. But in any case, yeah, so 
so you know obviously billy's like don't like it's like don't give the crazy like version of tommy the dragon coin she's like you're right we can do it as a last resort but she still goes to see dracon and kind is trying to like tempt him like she sneaks into zordon's like layer base by the way i don't know how she does it (laughs) but so like she sounds like she's tempting him with the dragon coin and we do see a new green ranger by the end of the book and she addresses him directly but if i'm remembering right which i'm not gonna spoil it for you like i don't think we're actually dealing with dracon in that situation oh i think i know who we might be dealing with yeah, like, again, if I'm misremembering that, I could just be pulling this out of my ass. But even the comic is laying it on thick about, like, not revealing who exactly the new Green Ranger is. Yeah. So I think we're going to find that out in the next arc. So I think there's le- they're trying to set it up that, like, yeah, you're supposed to think it's Dracon. But, like, I'm also a wrestling fan. I recognize a swerve when I see it. Yeah, at we, least an obvious, and uh, at least an obvious swerve. <laughs> yeah, a swerve by Vince McMahon. Yeah, uh, maybe Tony Khan. I mean, yeah, like he likes to think he's a wrestling genius. He's not. He just does cocaine. <laughs> he does cocaine and does all the stuff he wanted to do in his e in his e fed days. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, let's, let's move on to our villains. Uh, we've talked a lot about Kia. Um, so let's kind of focus on her. Um, very Magneto. Like, when when they want Magneto to definitely be in the wrong, that's kind of her. Um, it's very funny, but I recently watched the Voyager episode of Flesh and Blood, and uh, kind of reminds me of, like, Aiden, who was the uh, hologram character. Like, it's basically about uh the herogen who are like a very big like hunter species they get the holograph um hologram technology holodeck technology for voyager and they kind of like let's just build holodecks to go satisfy love the hunt without going and killing people and also maybe widen our culture and because of that like because of like people kind of messing around with the algorithms and just to kind of make them like very sophisticated holograms for the satisfy them, the holograms become self-aware and kind of a whole Skynet thing happens. Oops. Oops. But Aiden kind of starts off as kind of this resistant leader. He's going about and uh, liberating the holograms from different bases and all this, but he just turns megalomaniacal and just completely forgets that like, he just wants to find a home for all of them where they can hide from the herogen. And uh, that's what Kia kind of becomes. She just becomes mad with power. Yeah, I can see that. And meanwhile, I'm over here just like trying to think about like, does this kind of tie into the last episode of Lower Decks this season? <laughs> uh, a little, except, you know, Locarno was just a fail son. Yeah, that's true. He was just a normal ass fail son. Yeah, he was he's trying very- to make himself to be greater than he was. Like, no, you dropped out of the academy because you got no. someone fucking killed. Yeah, he didn't drop out. He was fucking expelled. Yeah, you got expelled for getting a member of your squad killed. And I I really loved when Mariner was like, your ego got Josh killed. Yep. Yep. But I I was just thinking about that because like he was trying to set him up himself up to be like, I'm already we're talking about spoilers for lower decks of like 
it's season two, but like it's been over a month by the time you've heard this. So yeah, no, season two, season four, ending of season part two, ending of season four. But it, like also just the fact he's trying to set himself up to be like, you know, it, we're it's like we're not uh, like elite. It's like no, Nova Fleet. It's like, yeah, Nova Fleet is not a. You know, I'm not their leader. We're a we're a collective. Like we're an, basically trying to do like we're an anarchist collective, but still trying to insert himself as being a fucking leader and like oh, you just know, like a white like, dude in an anarchist collective. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case, it is. Yeah, it's definitely see why she's frustrated with the emissary and like obviously why Tommy is bit of a bit of a traumatic presence for her. But she does go kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, she goes power hungry and crazy. And it's like, and she has that sad, le- sad lesbian fight with Trini. Yeah. And uh, gets put in a jar. We'll see what happens to her later. If at yeah, all. Yeah, because it's like, if they, I, I feel like they wouldn't set up the jars if they weren't planning to have her and like Garrison come back at some point. Yeah. And then we have Dane comes back, was on board for just kicking ass and taking names. The team figured out that, you know, oh, you just study our strategies, so we're just going to use shit you've never studied. Mm-hmm. Like, let's swap weapons. Rocky's going to eat himself now. You know, all this other shit. So because of that, he's like, peace. I love that bit, too. Kia's like, uh, aren't you going to come help me? And he's like, no. <laughs> a mercenary. Like yeah, he's a bounty hunter and a mercenary all the way. Yeah, he's like, I'm only here for myself. And, uh, but he does end up rescuing Lord Zed and then just says we're even and never call me again. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so I mean, I'm sure we'll see him again at some point. Oh, yeah. No, we need the furry man back. We need him to awaken more furries. <laughs> more than, uh, Dargy Kruger did. Ah, Christ. Um, but yeah, well, speaking of Zed, um, so he's back with a vengeance. Yeah. Oof. He was, he was all like, man, I'm back. And he gets his team together and belittles them, of course, because he's Lord Zed. And he sends out a monster that ends up creating the green chaos crystal, which when we were writing this out, I kept on wanting to call it the green chaos emerald. Yes. <laughs> Different series. <laughs> different different thing altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, it's to give everybody his entire, you know, Babu, Squat, Goldar, and Fenster Dark Ranger power. So they become Dark Power Rangers. This includes uh, Re- Putty Rita, who's very hot. Yeah, and your notes here were just, why does she have tentacles? <laughs> and... Also, that I'm gay for her, which is just fucking true. Like, yeah, everybody knows I have the hots for Rita Repulsa in the comics. Like, this is not a this is not a secret. Yeah, you're just like, oh, hot putty Rita and your tentacles. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like I do love the fact that they touch back on the whole Dark Power Rangers arc from the like the sec the first series and just how like make them look cooler than they did in that one because they looked very dumb <laughs> yeah he just he just took like what looked like the power rangers but were bullies and just put them in like 
It looked like they were putty outfits that they just kind of dyed another color and then add a Z to it. Yes. It's definitely the Power Rangers we have at home. <laughs> the Power Rangers we have at home. Aww. It's just like, even that feels like, no, that still feels too nice because even the Power Rangers we have at home is tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. <laughs> yes. This was more of like the bootleg Power Rangers you get from the dollar store. Yep. <laughs> it's it's like, hey, Dad, here's the good Kush. <laughs> it's the dollar store. How good can it be? I made a reference to that on Blue Sky the other day, and nobody got it. <laughs> Boo. How can y'all forget good vines like that, man? Oh, it's like, it's just a cornerstone of my brain, which tells you I'm, I'm a millennial. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like, you know, well, hey, what do you want? The souls <laughs> of the innocent, a bagel. No! It's just like, if I had to describe Danhausen in one vine, that's the one. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right, we talk uh, like Tamarians on this podcast, but you already know that. Yeah, like, I think that's just part of the charm, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Listen, we get about a thousand listeners a month at this point. Like, I figure if you guys are still sticking around listening to us, you you know what the deal is. <laughs> yeah, Timba with his eyes, with his arms open. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now we have a new big bad for the Mega Rangers. And that is the Imperial, uh, spelled E-M-P-Y-R-E-A-L. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, Sid was having trouble pronouncing that. I'm like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, I think phonetically it's supposed to be Imperial. But, yeah. like, it's spelled all weird, because he's, like, kind of edgelurgy and cool. Yeah, and an alien. Yeah. Mostly setting up his stuff, and he's a dick. Yeah, that, that's basically it. And it's like, I, it's one of those things, like, I think he can maybe see through, like, I don't know if he has, like, the exact powers of the emissary. Yeah. But it sounds like something similar, where he can definitely see through time. Yeah, or, he's um, a non-temporal being, basically. Yeah, and I think that has got, that comes in the play in the first, like, fight that they have with him. Yeah, because he does a genocide. Mm-hmm. Because... Oh, your race is not living up to your full potential, so you need to be raised to the ground, and your ashes will give new life. And I'm like, but you just killed a bunch of people. Yeah, what the fuck, bruh? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's definitely, uh, I can see some people who agreed with Thanos would be like, no, he's right. Ugh. Ugh. And I'm see, like, this is why they should have just let Thanos try to fuck death in the MCU. Because <laughs> I like, no. can't stand people who are like, oh, maybe Thanos has a point. No, he fucking doesn't. Yeah, like, you could have just snapped more resources, you fucking dickhead. Yeah. Skin, he just wanted to fuck death. We would have avoided this for five fucking years. No, he would have just been like, no, I snapped everyone to death because, God, I want to bone death. And yeah. Like, but that's not serious enough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Well, and Death is just, she's, she, like, she's like Shania Twain in this situation. That don't impress her much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're not getting bone titty. Yeah. You know who gets bone titty? Deadpool. 
<laughs> but oh man, <laughs> yeah, we're we're kind of going back. We're we're basically setting up that this guy has this whole deal of where he will just destroy civilizations, rise them to the ground, raise them to the ground, everything, cause them to go ash because they need to live up to a full potential. And it's like, oh, what are we going to see with this type of kind of exploring, I guess, no faith but what we make? Exactly. But seriously, what a dick. Yeah, fucking asshole. Asshole. <laughs> All right. And uh, last but not least, we're Dragon's back. And like we said, he's Skrillex. Like, that was my first thing when I saw him. Like, oh, my God, he's just Skrillex. <laughs> Yeah. Just 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 a gross little like just a gross little man. He's a little, little king man. trash mouth. Little king trash mouth. And um yeah, he's he's basically kind of gone mad. He's still mad cuz he's like why can't I be a ruler in all this? And it's like, dude, you just, just get a hug. Or maybe yeah. maybe that universe is Jason should have given you a blowjob. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you killed that universe, Jason. It's true, but, you know, right after he turned good, you know, like, right after the whole Rita thing, instead of joining Rita, it's like, no, just get a blowjob from Jason. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he spent, like, we forgot to mention the fact that he spends his entire time when he's in the jail cell talking to the head of Saba that he detached himself. Yeah, he's just like, this is my friend. I killed him. I'm like, cool. Like, okay, Pat. <laughs> okay, dude. Do you guess we'll see where more he goes to? Yeah, I mean, because like I said, we got the next arc coming up. We got Dracon New Dawn. So, you know, let's let's just see where it goes with this trauma, this weird traumatized weirdo. Yes, this weird traumatized weirdo who never got a blowjob. <laughs> like that, that would again. Fixed, yeah, it's like that would have fixed all of his problems. Getting a blowjob. <laughs> blowjob from Jason. Yeah, specifically Jason. Specifically Jason. Fixed all his problems. Yeah, he would have felt loved and part of a group. Oh my god, what is our problem? I don't know. <laughs> all right, um, so I think that's all we really have to say about Dracon right now. So let's move on to our honorable mentions. The first being the Solar Rangers. Let's go, yes. lesbians. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> like, let's go. Let's go, lesbians. Yeah, I hadn't even fully clicked at like when, because like we said earlier, when like Kimber, like Ranger Slayer Kim is just like, oh, I know exactly who can help us solve this problem. It had not occurred to me that she was talking about the Solar Rangers. You know, me too. Yeah, so like, when they came through and it's like, oh my god, it's Ari and Remy! <laughs> like, yeah. And like, they have this really sweet goodbye where Kim really hugs them, and I'm just like, I miss them so much. I know. I'm like, I'm gonna go read Beyond the Grid again. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Uh, then Garrison and Cavitus, they were just mostly there for the arc. I think Ka uh, Garrison had more of a role, mm -hmm. but it's just kind of like, yeah, they're just mostly there. Um, felt bad for Cavitus because, you know, you started out very interesting and just kind of petered. Yeah, and, like, I think for the fact that, like, it, the bit when he's, like, chasing down the Rangers is very tense, but it's also just, like, you can tell 
the man just wants to die. Yeah. <laughs> and at least Ranger Slayer in that regard is willing to give him that release. Yeah. Um, it's it's very tragic, honestly. Yeah. Moving on to odds and ends. Oh, uh, yeah. So the first thing I noticed is that, like, obviously we're dealing with going back and forth between what we'd already read in Go-Go. Yeah. Which, again, I think if we knew better, we probably would have, like, done it differently. But it's also funnier to do it this way. Oh, yeah. It, what I didn't notice in the one issue where I think it is dealing with the um the quote-unquote scuba trip. Yeah. And the Rangers go to the movies and then they're the Rangers that are still on Earth go to the movies, but then they're they get a call because monsters are attacking and their uh watches go off in the movie theater. And I remember that panel before, and it's like somebody in the back row shushes them. And then I think I had that page open just a little bit longer because I was doing something else, and then I looked at the page again. And I noticed the one parent, it's one character on the side of the panel who's like sitting next to the Rangers on the same row. I'm just like, huh, why is that character dressed like Spike Spiegel? And then you notice the entire room. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the, yeah, so the guy next to them is Spike Spiegel. The guy on the back row is, I cannot remember his name right now, but it's like the villain of um the movie. Yeah. And then you see Jet. In the corner. Yeah. Across the aisle. And then she's not actually illustrated in full, but you can clearly see Faye Valentine's shoulder, like, sitting right next to him. Yeah. I <laughs> so loved just like, it. Oh, my God. It was like they illustrated the cast of Cowboy Bebop into this panel. It's like, why like, not? It- yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, I just like it's one of those things I just love about comics is just that sometimes you see uh, artists sneak in like stuff that they like into the books they're doing. Like uh, kind of famously Jake Wyatt in that um, in the SPDR issue. I was thinking this uh, that he drew that he did the art on with Gerard Way doing the writing is that when you see Penny in the classroom, Penny Parker in the classroom. All of her classmates are just the cast of Evangelion. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, you you just clearly see the 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 teenagers in Evangelion, and I'm like, oh my god, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, like one that people don't bring up that happens later in the in the issue is that when the, like her and Daredevil go and fight this gang, the gang is just a uh, character from Ghost in the Shell. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and I had to look this up because. It was going to bug me if I couldn't remember what it was. Vincent Villaggio. So, yeah, it was the villain from um, from the movie Knocking on Heaven's Door. All right. Um, you wanted to note about the we could get evil jobs. Yeah, so. <laughs> so um, kind of what we talked about in the la- a little bit in the last arc is that we're dealing with the fact that, like, uh the minions of like Rita and then later Zed are kind of just floating there. Like they don't have much going on because like once Zed kind of like, um, you know, gets imprisoned and then Rita's been in prison this whole time as well. They're kind of just like, well, what do we do now? (laughs) We could try to be evil and then they kind of fail at it. So yeah, we could get evil jobs. Yeah. So basically the panels here is like, 
we have no staff, which means no magic. Oh, yeah. we. Ha- oh, yes. We have no monsters, no putties. The Power Rangers are back. What are we going to do now? And then Squat goes, we can get evil jobs. And then Finster's like, Squat, you're three feet tall and blue, and I'm covered in fur. What evil jobs could we possibly get? Telemarketing? <laughs> Middle management. Yeah, that's truly the most evil job you could have. <laughs> this is middle management at some office. Let's imagine <laughs> squatting and Vince would just be like, yeah, I'm going to need those TPS reports. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Or like I said, Goldar could like fit in at a warehouse. <laughs> Nobody would give a shit. Nobody would give a shit. He's trying to fit his wings and like the fucking like forklifts. <laughs> Uh, your forklift driver sucks. He also drew a sword at me. It's like he, yeah, he wouldn't figure out how to actually try to kill somebody with a forklift. At least not yet. <laughs> Is this why I shouldn't be forklift certified? I mean, that's on you. Like, that's, I, I won't. I won't. I'll, I'll try to figure out how to do an Akira slide on it. <laughs> I already tried to do that on the uh, palette writers. I'm like, how do I perform an Akira slide? I do know somebody who could Tokyo Drift in one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so another bit that I wanted to talk about is that there is a scene later, like after Dracon shows up and he's imprisoned, is there's a scene where Kimberly approaches him and mm-hmm. he is taunting her because basically like it's the whole thing i think it's part of it is that he's one testing to see if like she'd actually do anything about it yeah but also the i have to remember dracon is the tommy that truly fucking hates himself he's like please kill me yeah so more snake yeah (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) she's trying her best to like she she comes there with her like bow and arrow and he's taunting her about it and then finally she just she almost snaps like she pulls her she notches the arrow and pulls it back like she is ready to put that arrow right between his eyes yeah and i'm like this is the most intense panel i have ever seen with kimberly because Kimberly's often like we've talked about her is like she's the you know no pun intended the heart of the team you know she tries to put her best foot forward that everybody um even through her own trauma but you know at this point Kimberly is just I I'm not gonna say something's broken in her but like I think at this point she is starting to really struggle with certain things. Yeah. And she obviously she doesn't kill Dracon. Um and basically I think she even says that you'll get yours. Yeah. But it's not gonna be me. Um but I think that was just a like a super intense moment is just her like coming this close. Yeah. To like just putting an arrow right between Dracon's eyes. Yeah. And we're just going to end right here with uh, Adam got hotter and more emo. I really love the updated Adam. 
Yeah, because I'm like, we've touched on I don't even I don't even know if we had touched on this as that much like since we started. Like, cause he's had this look going back to the second half of Go Go when he was introduced. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's like they made Adam kind of like alt in this one. I really like it. Yeah, it's a it's a good look. It's a real good look. Mm-hmm. All right, and our uh, verdict is um, it's a pretty solid ending and a good start to the next arc. The comics still have yet to disappoint me. My favorite thing is truly taking things that should have been tension points in the show and actually making them tension points. Uh, the Stone Canyon trio trying to fit in, for instance, the whole peace conference. It felt like there were there was actual character drama that needed to be resolved. I also like how they introduced newer things to this version of the Mighty uh, of the Mighty Morphin team to expand the world and the universe of Power Rangers, as well as explore adult themes without it being, you know, adult, as in like, ooh, it's super sexy and full of violence. Uh, <laughs> Kira's story was pretty tragic and starts tackling what actually is justice in this universe, and that perfectly ties into what we're seeing with the next arc with, like, or Dracon and like, you know, what's going on with Grace and the new Green Ranger on Earth, as well as, you know, with the Omega Rangers dealing with the Imperial out in space. Uh, I can't re- wait to read more. Yeah, like Sid said, I definitely appreciate this comic being more willing to tackle adult themes while still maintaining the spirit of Power Rangers. Especially in the second half of this arc where we're dealing with the fallout of the Omega Ranger reveal and having to fight Kia to stop her from abusing the empowered and, you know, trying to go across the dimension to kill all Tommies. Plus it's nice to see actual tension points. The show never explored as well as the return of the galaxy's favorite lesbians, which forgot to mention, they hinted the fact that there are new solar Rangers, which is very exciting. Yes. Plus we get a look at where the next year of comics is going to go. And it's pretty exciting from the outset. Can't wait to dive into it more next year. All right, that's it for this episode. Um, we would like to thank Kate Nix for our cool theme song. Her site, katenix.com, is up and running. That has links to her band camp and streaming site, katenix.tv. She does a bi-monthly show, The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you're wondering if it's an on or off month, you can check out her show's Instagram, It's The Lounge. You can check out older episodes on her YouTube channel, Kate Nix. She also has a personal account on her Zen Attack, which is just the name spelled backwards, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok if you want a bit of flair and Winslow, the piano-playing cat. we also like to thank Joe Hunter for the cool artwork. Joe Hunter is a comic book artist who has done backups for Radiant Black, a story in Headlock Comics, Tales from the Road series, and is currently working on Beast Heart Strikers, as well as a secret project, it seems, with co-creator and writer Lan Pitts. You can support him on Patreon at Joe Hunter and Threadless at joehunter.threadless.com. You can find him on Blue Sky and on Twitter uh, as Joe Hunter, Joe underscore Hunter on Twitter, and Instagram as Joe Bloody Hunter. We'd also like to thank Kurt Yoder for editing. Uh, you can find him and his Perler stuff at Great SG Creations on Etsy and Great SG Pixels on Twitter, even though Twitter is dying. Uh, you can also just find him on Great SG on Tumblr and Blue Sky as well. Uh, we like to thank our $5 patrons. Um, Griff Band, thank you so much for the support. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com uh, slash rangersplane, uh, where we have many tiers, including our $2 tier, which is our lowest tier, where you can have access to our Discord channel, 
which gives you access to our uh, live streams, monthly live streams, as well as our Q&A. We'd, we'd love to have you. Our wrestler of the podcast, and it seems to be what we're going to be saying as our final wrestler of the podcast, is Will- Willow Nightingale. We fucking love this lady. <laughs> <laughs> She's the best. But yeah, yeah. we're going to go ahead and phase out the wrestler of the podcast going forward because we, we're just running out of wrestlers to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, we ran out of cool wrestlers. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she's cool. You can catch her on AEW and um, on Ring of Honor as well. All right. Now, where can you find us? Well, uh, for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Blue Sky. And Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, TikTok, even though I'm rarely on there. More rare than I am on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but you can find me at, at Miss Kitty F on most social platforms. You can also find my store, which is buffertimeexchange.square.site. If you're in the Chattanooga or Georgia area, I'm going to be doing a few craft shows in December because it's that's it's that time of the year, the most wonderful time of the year. Um, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, so if you're listening to this before December the 2nd, I'm going to be at the Lake Claire Craft Fair for certain on uh december 2nd which is down in atlanta uh, a couple others i still have to pay for so i won't talk about them yet um but just keep an eye out to my socials i'll let everybody know where i will be at all right well i am no longer on twitter but you can find me on instagram and on blue sky under Velosa Riker. i also now have a tiktok where i just mostly do videos about being trans and uh having autism and adhd and you can find that under Sid Highwind, and that is spelled S-I-D. Um, you can also find my store, Coda's Magical Crafts, on Etsy at Coda's Magical Crafts. Um, and most platforms, it's under Coda's Crafts. So come and get candles and all sorts of cool soaps. I have a lot coming up for this holiday season. And as for Ranger Splane, you can find us kind of on Twitter <laughs> at Ranger Splane. We're also on Blue there. Sky now. Yeah, we're also... <laughs> We're kind of there, but we're also on Blue Sky now. Uh, try to post more on Instagram, also under Rangersplane. Again, we have our Patreon and also our WordPress, rangersplane.wordpress.com, where you can see our show notes. And as always, to beat the algorithm and everything, we love you all. Just give us a favorite, uh, like good rating, all that. Um, anywhere you listened to our podcasts, uh, including Spotify does ratings now. So that's yes. pretty cool. And uh, that's it for this month. We're taking a break, a much needed long break. So we won't be back with a new episode until April, which, by the way, yes, that is Cosmic Fury. But we'll be releasing, re-releasing some updated older episodes with some better editing and possibly some notes. Who knows? Stay safe out there this holiday season and may the power protect you. Go. Go. Go.